0: Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace thank God it's Friday with thank God it's Monday. With me is my co host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Darren, what are we going to discuss today?
1: Well, Dave, we have a special guest star today. We have Jim Ponder with Turnkey Strategic Relations, and I want to welcome you, Jim, to our Disarming Persuasion podcast. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and then we'll ask some questions of you, Jim.
2: Thanks, Darren. I'm really happy to be here today with with you and Dave, and uh, I appreciate, appreciate the opportunity. Um, My wife would say that I'm a serial entrepreneur, which uh, means it's been really, really terrifying at times. And it's been really good at times and everything in between. I founded Turnkey Strategic Relations almost 15 years ago, and it's really based on the concept of relationships are everything. Um, I like to say if you show me an organization, a business that has outstanding relationships internally and externally, I can show you a company that has high engagement, great sales, solid, solid profitability. Um, It's just hitting on all cylinders. And that's the good news. The bad news is those companies are few and far between. Um so we have we have maintained that cornerstone of relationships and throughout the the last 15 years we've developed a significant amount of our own intellectual property in and around leadership, organizational development, communication, coaching and sales enablement.
1: Nice. Excellent. Well, you and I have known each other for a number of years. We've partnered on several projects together, so I'm so glad you're here, I guess I want to start the first question, Jim. What does disarming persuasion mean to you?
2: You know, when I when I think of those words, disarming persuasion, there's all kinds of mental images that, uh, that that come to mind. But at the end of the day, I think for me, it's being able to solve my customers or my prospects' problems or more likely their fears and to do that in such a subtle way. That they start to actually shift and become my own raving fan um, as we step through, um, and, it, and it's and I think that's at its, at its finest point. They start to solve their own problem, seeing you as the solution, and and that's that's what it that's what it means to me. That might not be the exact uh, definition that uh, that Dave or you would hang on it, but when I just think of those words, that's what pops in my head.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting, Jim. We ask this question all the time because it's not really about our definitions. You know, disarming communication is imperfect, as you well know, to begin with. And so, I think it's really interesting to see how everybody interprets that phrase. I mean, we created it as a as a bit of a joke, a little bit of you know, paradigm between my military background and and Darren's uh, disarming personality. Um, <laughs> I get it. (laughs) But uh, I always find it fascinating. And and, I mean, I love what you said about uh, getting people to solve their own problems. We actually have a a previous episode where we talked about setting people up for success. And it it sounds like that's that's what you're talking about. What do you find is the best way? Because, I mean, back up for a second. In in the beginning of any relationship, there's always a little reluctance, right? That's sort of that arms distance how do you what is this person all about and so for for me at least it's it's trying to figure out a way to get that arm down and get them to embrace you so they can become that raving fan not that that's my motivation that is the result my motivation is to to do best by the other person what do you find the best way is to get that to to create quickly that type of relationship
2: you know it it's um what I'm going to say, I, I believe is equally true in today's world of doing a lot of what we're doing, doing this virtually. You can't go meet with people and read their body language. And you know, I was talking to a CEO yesterday and he goes, hey, you know, Jim, normally we'd be having this this uh, this conversation over a burger at lunch. And, uh, and then we'd have a little bit of a break in between times to go back to our offices and think. And, and he goes, instead, I'm going to click end call and I'm going to click on to another call and I'm going right to to another call. So it makes it a little more difficult today. But what I believe is you never want to show up needy, especially in a sales environment. Um, No one likes or frankly needs the needy salesperson. It's like having, um, you know, when you were you were growing up and you had girlfriends or boyfriends or significant others and they were needy those relationships typically didn't last very long so i think you've got to show up and be really genuine you got to be willing to be vulnerable and you got to be willing to be transparent really be who you are and bring to the table that you're much much more than the organization you work for and you're much more than the the boss you're much more than you you have passions you have things you believe in and when you can start To enter into those kinds of conversations, and I I tell this to people we work with with our company all the time, we go through an exercise about passions and about what you're passionate about, and it's an interactive exercise, and I tell them when we're done, I said, I've just given you one of the best gifts you're ever going to get when it comes to selling or leading. Everyone is passionate about something, and they love to talk about it, and it enriches your life when you hear about it. So, when you talk about well what's the best way to to get there and it does take time, the best way to get there is this personal interaction and being willing to help um, I, I'm good friends with with someone that works at a company called gray construction and and howard gray has um m s and um He's lived with it his whole life, and he is the, the most genuine person you'd ever want to meet. And their tagline for their company is give them everything they asked for and a little bit more. And, and I think that's so critically important.
1: Excellent. So, Jim, I know that you've had lots of opportunities both in your professional work and in your nonprofit and volunteer work. I mean, the list is is incredible. I'm kind of curious who have some of your role models and how do they influence you? Cause you've been, you know, you've met so many people over the years. I'm just kind of curious if you have any in particular
2: you'd like to talk about. Yeah, Darren, I, I appreciate that. And and I'm, I'm truly, and, and I mean this in, in the deepest sense of the word, I am blessed to have a number of role models, you know, in my life. Um, maybe they seek me out. I seek them out, but there's, three that probably really bubble to the top. And, and I'll start with my dad, who's who's no longer with us, um, was part of the greatest generation, was a, a navig- navigator during World War II, um, flying in the islands. He fly sometimes 20, 25 missions a day. And he he pounded into me. And I, I, I don't mean that in the literal sense, but he pounded into me. If you don't do anything in your life, but two things. I will be incredibly proud of you. I want you to be a good citizen and to do the right thing. And if you talk to my kids who were grown and have our grandkids, they would, t- they would recite that back to you in a heartbeat. And I remember my son asking me at a pretty young age, well, Dad, Dad, how do, how do you know what the right thing is? I said, oh, the great thing, his name's Garrett. I said, the great thing, Garrett, is we're humans and we always know. I said, you will always know what the right thing is without exception, and it will be your choice to do the right thing or not do the right thing. You know, the second one that comes to mind is a gentleman Don, named Don Harder. Don will turn 90 this year, lives up near Yosemite, um, grew up in Yosemite, um, very successful business uh, businessman, and I had the opportunity to become involved in a national trade organization at a, at a young age. And uh, Don really championed me, and uh, ultimately um, helped me to find my way through, which I ended up being the president of that organization. And um, it was an incredible experience. But Don, what Don taught me was believing in someone, and 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 helping them to move forward when maybe they didn't know the way. and And the last person i i I, t- I would talk about is, is Tom Gay. Tom, Tom, uh, uh, my first trip to Africa was because of Tom. It was to go look at a um, a, a a missions uh, organization that he had put together in Africa and to to visit with a company he had invested in. And Tom's one of these guys that he he asked me. um I had just had a business that we had to close down and extenuating circumstances during the dot com bomb. And, and the kind of man he is, is he goes, I just want you to think about what you want to do next. And I don't want an answer till I see you back in the States. He really taught me that gift of asking insightful questions and causing you to really look inside and, and do that deep soul searching of, of where do you want to go next? So those are the, those are the three that, that, that bubble to the top for me.
0: Well, those are some powerful, powerful mentors. and um, it, it, it's clear to me, Jim, and you know obviously we just met uh, ten minutes ago, fifteen minutes ago before this, that you you know who you are. You, you You really got that down, and I think in fact, I know that's one of the keys to success just in life as well as in, in, in being a great leader because you have to be true to yourself. so i, th- I think you're going to nail. My next question cuz I want to circle back to you know you talked about um being passionate right and we need to be passionate about something and certainly passion sells and this this podcast is not just about sales sales and leadership even in leadership you need to be passionate about something so people understand it's it's sincere and coming from you what are you passionate about
2: Well that's it that's a, that's um <laughs> a question I'm actually asked, uh, quite often. And the first thing I'm passionate about is my faith. Um, I, uh, um, like many people, you know, I, str- I struggle in, in every day, like being where I should be and doing what I should and reading what I should, but, but I am passionate about that. Um, Darren, who knows me well, um, knows and, and the people that work for me, I am passionate about helping the people we work for make a difference, not just a difference in their companies, but a difference in their lives, because if it was just for the paycheck, I could go do that a lot of different ways. Um, so I'm I'm very passionate about that. And beyond family, which is the obvious, which I'm hugely passionate about my family, um, I'm passionate about giving back. Uh, I, I I talk to universities quite often, and I talk about giving back. And I said, you know, the problem is we're taught that giving back means you have to have money. And that is the farthest thing from the truth
1: mm-hmm.
2: is you have time, you have talent, as Darren would say, time, talent and treasures. Right. So someday you might have money to donate. You might not. But you certainly have talent and you have time and you have the ability. And I was on a call with a group that I'm involved with, a peer group, and we're doing coaching and mentoring Uh for a group here in San Diego of of young business people and three, three of the people on the call said, no, you know, I just don't think I have, I I have time to, to do that. We were asking for two hours a month. And, um, you know, I, I think speaking up is important if you do it respectfully and I respectfully spoke up and I said, I need everybody on this call to rethink their answers. Because if you can't find two hours, I guarantee you waste two hours every week, whether that's driving through Starbucks or what it may be. And everybody sort of had hung their head low. And I wasn't trying to make them feel bad. I was just trying to to have them understand you can do this and make a difference in these young business people's lives.
0: Well, you know, it's it's clear to me. and, uh, And thank you for reinforcing the secret to being successful in anything is being outward focused. And you really just drove that point home. And and that's, that's so powerful. Well,
1: you kind of touched on it, but I want to build on it a little bit, Jim. If you had one piece of advice to give to an up and coming business or sales professional, what might that be and why? And you started to talk about that when you're talking about the mentor program. So I just thought that would dovetail nicely into uh, what you just shared.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that that question, um, and it's always hard when somebody asks you to narrow something down to the one thing. You know, unless you're in city slickers and you're, you know, talking about the one thing, right? Um, Just before you which, die, which, which certainly dates me, and I I apologize for that. Um, we
1: are we are nodding with you, Jim. We we know what you're talking about,
0: and and, and for the record, Jim, we don't want you to die of a heart attack before. You give us that answer.
2: Oh, <laughs> thank you, Curly. Literally. Exactly. So I would say the, the one thing is get out of your comfort zone. And what I mean by that is um, if you can imagine three circles, a larger circle, another circle, a smaller circle in the middle, the smaller circle in the middle, that's our comfort zone. That's where we all hang out. It's cozy and it's warm. And, you know, that's if we do that at work and we do that in sales, we're just kind of cruising on autopilot and we're never, ever growing. And then the next ring out, we'll talk about that in a minute. But the furthest ring out is the OMG, the oh my God ring, right? So if I jump from the comfort zone to the OMG ring, I'm lost. But if I just keep expanding my comfort zone, learning a little bit more, getting a new experience, being that lifelong learner, suddenly that OMG ring shrinks because the inner ring becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And the larger your comfort zone, the more likely you are to be able to be a coach, a mentor to someone else who is struggling within in their comfort zone. Getting out of your comfort zone is is life. It's life's experiences. It's saying, "Yeah, I can go on that trip. I can climb that mountain. I can run that marathon. I can walk three miles. Whatever your comfort zone is, it's just moving out of that."
0: Wow, um, I'm just I'm just chewing on that, right? Because that sentiment has been. Ingrained in us in many different ways, you know. Was, uh, and and I don't like quoting Nietzsche a lot because Nietzsche was um. Well, I don't agree with much of his viewpoint, but the one thing he said that always rings true, right? That which does not kill us makes us stronger, and and that's exactly what you're talking about. And we think about our lives, experience, right? If, if you're into working out, if there's no what, no pain, no gain, right? That's the trite saying but it's the truth and that's what you're talking about, right? Get out of your comfort zone, experience that discomfort, learn from that discomfort. The next time it'll be more, you'll be more used to it, right? The first time you do it, it's uncomfortable. The second time, right now, all of a sudden you've expanded that circle. What great, great imagery.
2: Yeah, well, we'll think about, even think about how that applies in in sales, right? You've been through sales training, and this is how I sell, and I do it the same way every time. I never really understand what my customer is passionate about, or even what they really care about. I actually don't even know how the product I sell helps them make money. I really don't even understand how it fits in their their ecosystem, or or what they do. I'm selling a a a microchip, a silicon chip, let's say, and but I don't understand that the company I'm selling it to puts it in heart monitors that saves people's lives. Those are the types of things that make it, you passionate about what you're doing because you know where the end product goes and you know the good it does in the world.
0: So, so you're bringing it back to purpose once again, right? Everything Absolutely. Comes, comes back to purpose.
1: So I'm laughing, Jim, because how do, customer, how do your customers make money? I'm laughing because, you know, we've had that conversation with potentially a company which you speak of. And when I talked about that, they had no idea that, you know, heart monitors, saving lives, making cars safer, making people's lives easier. And you could see the light bulbs go off going. Now I understand it's not just for the paycheck. I'm really serving a huge purpose. And I'm, so I'm laughing at that, Jim. So I appreciate you bringing that back up. And then the other thing is, I don't know if you know this, Dave, but he talks about stepping out of his comfort zone. Jim, you, you climbed some small mountain or something. Didn't you do something like, like, like a, like, I don't know, like a little hill or something, like 2,000 uh, feet, something like that, right, to get out of your comfort zone? Was it something to that effect?
2: Uh, yes. I, uh, in 2016, I summited Kilimanjaro in africa which is the uh, the highest uh, freestanding mountain in the world and and the highest mountain on the continent of africa Um, and then three years later i took a group of ceos and uh, cfos and and leaders um, back up the mountain uh, for a leadership climb and we talked about every night we talked about leadership we asked some very deep thought-provoking questions um and 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 tied that into what we saw each day on the mountain, and how that tied into leadership and very humbling to have these very successful high powered individuals and you know, I remember one night in particular, sitting in the tent you know it's 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 approaching zero degrees outside, and uh we're kind of all huddled there and and um there were tears around the table in in what we were talking about um that vulnerability I talked about earlier is, is, mm-hmm. is so critically important. Of course, thin altitude helps with vulnerability as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> yeah I, I can absolutely see that. It takes courage to do that, right? I mean, to expose yourself uh, and be vulnerable. It takes courage to be vulnerable. It takes courage to get out of your comfort zone, to, to put yourself in a position where you know you're going to experience something that doesn't feel good initially. Right. And how do you find that courage? What do you recommend to our, our listeners out there who are saying, you know, I, I've, I've thought about it. I get it intellectually, but I, I can't do it.
2: I, I'll answer that, but I'll give a little bit of a story, which which happened on the second trip on Kilimanjaro. One of the, the people with us was much, much younger than me, um, extremely experienced mountaineer. And on summit night, he developed pulmonary edema. So that's where your lungs start filling with fluid. It had happened uh, to him before on Everest. And he, um, so he recognized it and we stopped. Now, you know, we started at midnight. It's now about two o'clock in the morning. The wind's ripping. It's really cold. And I'm 10 feet away from him and I can hear him breathing. I can hear that gurgling. And he goes, hey, guys. This is what's going on. I know it. I recognize it. I've got to get down. Um, let's stop right here. He took his pack off. He opened his pack and he said, OK, what's everybody need? Who needs power bars? Who needs this? Who needs that? Anything you need from me? Well, the next day when we were talking that that next evening, um, he said to the group, he goes, look, I want to tell you guys something. Five years ago, I would have said, see ya, I'm out of here. I would have done anything and everything to make sure I got to the top. And he goes, I never would have offered up the stuff in my pack. And so you ask, how do you get there? It goes back to getting out of your comfort zone and it's kind of the Nike thing and just do it because it is hard. It is hard to get out of your own way and offer help where help is needed or to be humble. Um, so, you know, how do you do it? You, you get out of that comfort zone and you give back. And once you start giving back and giving of yourself to your clients or whoever it is, that once you have that feeling, it's like that endorphin rush. When you're working out, working out, you, you go, wow, that felt really good.
0: You know, I, I, I heard something in your story there. And I want to, expose that, put it out there and get your reaction to it. Because, I mean, it, it took courage for him to admit his weakness. It took courage for him to, to turn the expedition over to other people and to not summit. And doing that, from what I heard him say, is because he was caring. He cared more about you folks than about himself. And that was the big change. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'd love your reaction to this statement, which is simply that the, the secret to courage is caring about others. I think it was uh, Lao Tzu who said, the founder of Taoism said, um, being cared, being cared about by others gives you strength. Caring about others deeply gives you courage. Could you speak to that?
2: Well, I, I think I think that is um, <clears throat> a, a great point. And for those who are going to be listening, who have have had kids and witnessed a childbirth and and you're cruising along in life and everything's great. And and suddenly this being comes into the world. And in an instant, you realize I would lay my life down for this little being. Right. And so when it comes to. Helping, helping others, it's what we're here for. Um, You know, somebody once said to me because they said, well, yeah, but, you know, you make money on what you do. You don't give what you do away. And 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 someone once said, and I think it's great, is profit is the thank you for doing good work and for doing the right thing. So it doesn't mean that you that you can't make money, but it does mean you should really care about that organization you're working for and what they're doing. And so over time. Quite candidly, we have gotten to where we're interviewing companies to work with just as much as they're interviewing us. And we we will make the decision not to take a contract because if the fundamental value and belief system isn't there, it's going to be incredibly painful.
1: It's funny, Jim, in a previous podcast, I shared, if you wanna be valuable, be vulnerable. And you've demonstrated that over and over again. It's funny, you talk about, when you have a child that comes into the world, because of my children, I've entered a sexiest legs competition on a cruise ship because my daughter asked me to, and I I won. You'll have to share, I can share that story another time. And also audition for Survivor because my children asked me to do it. So I I totally, I totally get it. I guess the last thing I would say is if you're sitting in front of leaders or salespeople, not not advice moving forward, but today, 2021, what could you suggest that an aspiring leader, aspiring salesperson might do? Because things have changed. We talked earlier about things have changed, right? What might you suggest for them moving forward in this coming year?
2: Well, I'll start I'll start with those folks that are are up and coming leaders or sales leaders but uh, leaders of people. And it's important that you recognize how difficult these times are. And you may personally as a leader be be dealing with all kinds of things everything from distance learning suddenly you're you're a you're a teacher and you're trying to do work and you're trying to do th- these types of calls and and it, and it gets Incredibly complicated. And then there's fear of where I can go and what I can do and, and friends who may have had COVID and there, all these things are going on. And, and I said this to a, a, an executive leadership team just recently. I said, I have to tell you something though. That's exactly what's going on with every employee you have. And it is your job as a leader to recognize that. And take the time to recognize they're dealing with a lot right now. Your customers are dealing with a lot right now. Take a breath and realize this isn't, this isn't the new normal because it's not normal. And it's going to change. And so normal is what we're dealing with on any given day. So what's really important is to recognize that and have a little bit of empathy around that and tailor your conversation, and tailor your um, your sales, if you will, of what you're going to do. And from the, from a selling standpoint, it, it's harder today because it's done virtually. I don't think that's going to go away even post-COVID. I think there's going to be some element of virtual, you name it, what we do. It's going to be a lot of a virtual training and development. But from a sales standpoint, be vulnerable, be willing to, to, to share a little story about, Hey, this is what just happened here with our household, or this is what's going on with my kids or whatever it may be. Because people, people have this, this pent up need to talk right now and, and, and to open up a little bit and be willing to not have to go into your immediate sales pit. Um, you know, really think about those slides you're going to be sharing. Um, how do you how do you if you're going to share slides, what are they going to be and 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 be thoughtful about what those are? But that vulnerability is it is so critically important. And, you know, um, Dave, you know, you talked about, you know, I really know who I am, but I work on this vulnerability all the time. And uh, I, I spoke not long ago to an MBA class out at one of the universities, and, and they asked me a question towards the end of, what was your darkest moment? And um, I told them, you know, I said, my darkest moment was uh, during the dot-com bomb. I had to explain to them what that was. Um, <laughs> but I literally had two businesses shutting down. I had kids going into college. Um, we were consulting with, with bankruptcy attorneys to figure out, could we, what could we do? And, um, I was out, I'm a runner and I was out running and I still had a sizable life insurance policy. And I thought, all I need to do is step out in front of one of these cars. Wow. And, wow. uh like, like then, and like now I'm getting a little emotional over it. But that was, you know, I talked about my faith earlier. It, that was a God moment. That was God coming down, hitting me in the, in the head with a two by four and going, don't you get it? Don't you get it? It's it's you. It's about you. It's not about the money. And you'll get through this and you'll make it. And I kind of just got out of it. And and uh, we, we put together a plan and it was difficult. We didn't have to file bankruptcy. We 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 made our way through. Um, it was hard. It took many, many years to uh, to recover. But that vulnerability, I have so many people come up to me afterwards and say, man, I've been in a dark spot like that. Because people will say, well, how can anybody get to that point? And I can tell you, everybody can get to that point. It and And so that was a, a distilling moment for me to say, OK, I can get through anything now.
0: Wow, what a, what a powerful powerful story, and I thank you for for be willing to share it, that with our listeners and us. Um, and I, I think it's just a great great lesson. In, in it's it's not what happens to us; it's how we react to it that matters. And, and clearly, you found found the strength through your faith, which is actually another another lesson in and of itself: the power of th- having faith. Where we we can't let what the outside world does affect us, but we have to have faith in something outside of ourselves to do that. It's it's an amazing, um, contradiction actually. And, and, uh, I think this is a great place to, to end this podcast on. Do you have any last, um, wisdom you want to share with our listeners?
2: You know, the last piece of, I don't know if it's wisdom, uh, but is, um, we're, we're living in a world right now that is very polarized in, in many, many ways. And I think it's important to be willing to to talk about and um, listen about where you are. But I want to encourage the listeners. Don't lose friends over this. Be thoughtful about what you post on social media and what you really want to be known for, because, you know, one of the things I tell people all the time is you have a brand, we all have a brand. And if you don't make that brand yourself, other people will make it for you. Um, so I just think it's, it's really, really important to understand what's important and value that.
0: Wow. I think, uh, that about sums everything up. Thank you again for being such a great guest, Jim, Darren, thank you for inviting him.
1: Oh, I feel
2: honored. Thank you for sharing, Jim. Really appreciate it, as always. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: All right, folks, if you enjoyed this, please uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Otherwise, we will see you next time. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name is Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecel.com Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you fail to disarm them.